just like the giant Goliath that David had to face. Each one of us has a giant in our lives that can get the best of us. Today, our focus is on the giant called hurt and pain inside of us. We'll be continuing last week's message and learning how to defeat this giant in our lives. This message is the second in the series, Gigantic. The message is entitled, A Giant Called Pain, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Gigantic, I want to talk to you this weekend about how do you deal with something called pain in your life. We talked about it uh, our first message in this series, and we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 17, this amazing story that most of us are familiar with of David and his slaying of Goliath. And how David came on a battlefield one day, and you can read the story there in the entire chapter of 1 Samuel 17. I'm not going to read all of it. We'll read some selected verses here in just a few moments. But how David came upon the battlefield where Israel was facing the Philistines, and there was a particular giant named Goliath that was intimidating Israel's army. And the plan was that he was calling for one of Israel's soldiers to come out and to stand with him in battle, and whoever won the battle would be servants, uh, the others would be servants to that, that nation from that time forward. And so no one wanted to fight Goliath. He's this huge giant, and nobody has the, has the courage, the capacity, the, the fortitude to go in battle against him. And David shows up one day. He's not really a soldier. He shows up to bring some food to his brothers and to find out how his brothers are doing so that he can take the back to his dad, and while he's there on the battlefield, he sees this intimidating Goliath giant and how he is intimidating and paralyzing the armies of Israel, and of course, you know the story of how David responded to the situation. As I was thinking about this recently, I, I started to think about the fact and actually asked myself a question. What motivated David to do something? What was it that caused David to be different than everybody else on that battlefield that day? Because nobody else wanted to fight Goliath. So what was it inside of David that said, we're going to do something. I'm going to take a stand here. I'm going to go against this, this gigantic force. And I believe that there were a variety of reasons. David knew that there were certain rewards that went along with fighting Goliath. But there was something else that I believe that David, that motivated David in his life as well to fight Goliath. And that was simply this. David realized that Goliath was having a, a significant impact upon the people of God. That, they, that Goliath was actually intimidating and paralyzing the armies of Israel. And so in terms of that, he says, I, I don't want to see my nation being subjected to this any longer. I see the impact and the, Im the awareness of the impact that Goliath was having on the people of God motivated David to do something. And I want to talk to us this weekend about how you and I overcome gigantic forces in our life and especially the gigantic force called pain. Because all of us have giants that loom over us, a variety of giants that intimidate your life and that keep you from being all that God wants you to be. And one of those giants is a giant called pain, not just physical pain, but soul pain, where you hurt on the inside. And two weekends ago, I talked to you about the importance of learning how to name your pain and how to identify some of how you experience pain in your life emotionally. The soul of your, your life is damaged by experiences of abandonment and how you feel rejected and maybe left by people that needed to love you and you, you wanted to be loved, but you didn't feel that love that you felt like you needed in your life. And so you felt abandoned, rejected, and oftentimes our soul pain is related to that or sometimes it goes back to certain abusive things that have happened in our life that have transpired in family or in events and circumstances that we walk through or the disappointments of life. They've left us with, with bruises on the inside. And if we could look into every heart here today 
I would venture to say that all of us here, if we're really honest about ourselves, we all have some soul pain inside of us. And oftentimes that soul pain looms over us like a giant and it keeps us from moving forward in our lives. It paralyzes us and keeps us from being all that God wants us to be. So how do we overcome it? It starts with naming that pain. Where does it come from? What's the name of it in your life? And then it also involves, and here's my second point in this series together, it involves learning how to admit its impact. Admitting the impact of pain in your life. Just like David had to admit the impact that, jo- that Goliath was having on the people of God, you and I have to admit the impact that soul pain is having upon us. Now, what is an impact? An impact very specifically defined as a consequential event. An impact is something that happens as a consequence of something else. Now, we're familiar with the term impact as we think about things such as health. You know that what you eat impacts your health. Whether you exercise or not, it impacts your health. You know this in the professional realm, that the things that you do or don't do on your job impacts whether you have a promotion or not, or impacts what happens with your career path. We understand that in the the realm of just relationships, what you do as a husband or as a wife has an impact on your spouse. What you do as a parent has an impact as a consequence upon your children. Some of you are old enough to remember the time, I believe it was back in the 60s, I want to say, when the Surgeon General, for the very first time, after after the uh, much research, uh, was able to decisively declare uh, with with medical research that cigarette smoking, uh, that uh, tobacco was hazardous to one's health. And you might recall when they first put the Surgeon General's warning on the labels of, of tobacco products. We have anybody here that's old enough like me to say, I remember when that first came out, all right? And the Surgeon General warning said, this may cause damage to your health. It's hazardous to your health. In fact, over the years, I think the warning has become even more graphic. And part of what that was designed to do is to have an impact on you. You'd read that little warning if you were a smoker and you'd say, you know what? I don't want to have that consequence. I don't want that impact to be upon me, and so I will make a decision to change. And here you see in Israel, going back to the story of David and Goliath again, David finds himself on a battlefield where a giant is impacting the nation of Israel. In fact, the entire nation had come to a standstill and could not go forward because of one big bully, one big bully named Goliath. And David said, this isn't right. In fact, would you notice with me 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 26, the latter part of verse 26, after David found, finally discovered what was going on there, he asked this question, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David looks at the circumstance and says, this is not right. Who is this uncircumcised, this ungodly, this, 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 this Philistine that is not in covenant relationship with God, that he should defy the armies? armies of the living God. And then in verse 29, the latter part of verse 29, he asked this question. I love the way the King James Version renders it. He says, is there not a cause? Would you say that with me? Is there not a cause? What was David saying? David was saying, there's a reason to go to battle against this adversary. There's a reason to go to war. There's a reason for me to step up and take the fight to this giant. And then in verse 32, 
he tells all the folks around, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go and fight him. And so David made the decision. Why? Because there was something inside of David that says, I don't like the impact this giant is having on God's people. And I believe that there in that moment, had we been there, that we could have sensed and seen in David something that all of us need from time to time. I believe that something rose up inside of David that we might call righteous indignation. There was something of a spiritual kind of anger that rose inside of David that says, this is not right. This is not how things should be. This giant should not be looming over the people of God. And a righteous indignation rose up inside of his soul. And he decided, I'm going to do something about this giant. What does it say to you and me today? I believe it says this. It says that if you and I are going to conquer the giants in our lives, there must come a point in time when you get a little riled up on the inside. There must come a point in time when you look at the giants that are intimidating you and paralyzing you, and there must be a moment in your life when there's a sort of righteous indignation that rises in your life when you look at these giants and you say, you know what, I am tired of this. I'm not going to allow this giant to rule me any longer. Where is my slingshot? And somebody give me five stones because I'm going after this giant. And there's some of us here today that for five years or 10 years or 20 years or maybe even longer, you've faced uh, the intimidation of pain, soul pain in your life. Your emotions have been bruised. Your life has been broken on the inside. There has been a giant called soul pain that has kept you from being everything that God wants you to be. And I have one objective today in this message. I hope that today I can make you angry. I hope that today I can cause there to be a righteous indignation that will rise up inside of you, that you'll leave here a little riled up to say, you know what, I'm tired of this giant controlling my life. I'm tired of this pain grabbing me and pulling me in places that I don't want to go and doing things to me that I don't want done to me. I'm making a decision. Give me a slingshot and give me some stones. I'm going after the giant called soul pain. May God today stir up in us some righteous indignation, not against people, but against that problem called pain in your life. Because I'm going to tell you, pain's having an impact upon you. Whether you realize it or not, pain is having an impact upon your life. And I want to give you 10 ways, 10 aspects of life that are being affected by soul pain for all of us if we're carrying it inside of us, and all of us do. I'll give you 10 reasons to get angry. Are you ready today? This is the first time you ever came to church and you got the pastor said, I'm going to give you some reasons to get angry. 10 reasons to get angry at your pain. Number one, What is soul pain doing to you? It is, first of all, messing up your thinking. When you carry soul pain inside of you, it it distorts your thinking. People in pain don't think clearly. People in pain, they don't make good decisions. They react to life out of a distorted, dysfunctional way of processing information. Because what happens is your pain, listen closely, your pain becomes the filter through which you view life. Your pain becomes the filter through which you interpret your life experience. Your pain becomes the filter through which you think about everything that comes in your life. You may not consciously be aware of it, and most most times we're not, but you're filtering life through your pain, and it messes up the way you think. In fact, if you could be really honest about some of the decisions that you made in your life and look back with greater insight on why you made them at the time that you did, you made a lot more decisions in your life out of your pain than you realize. 
It messes with your thinking. Number two, the second reason to get angry with your pain is because it poisons and sabotages your relationships and your happiness. When pain is inside of you, soul pain is in your heart, it goes, it poisons you on the inside. It's like a poisonous substance that's living inside of you, and that poison not only affects you, but it sabotages your life. It undercuts your relationships. It undercuts your happiness. It undercuts the joy that you can experience in life. See, let's talk about relationships for a moment. When you're carrying soul pain inside of you, you bring your pain into every relationship you have in life. Let's talk about marriage for a moment. Two people decide they want to get married. Why? Because they're in love. And they're in love. What they are in is this. They're in deception at some level because what they're thinking, if they're honest, is I'm thinking that this person is going to fix all my love needs. This person is going to make me for the first time maybe in my life feel worthwhile and, and, and wonderful and I'm going to have the love that I've been looking for all of my life. And so the, each person goes into a marriage oftentimes with the expectation that the other person is going to meet all these needs inside of them. And before long in the marriage what happens is all this pain starts coming up and we begin to interact with each other on the basis of the baggage we brought with us. And so everywhere you go in life and every relationship relationship you have, whether it's in your marriage, in your work environment, wherever you are, if there's pain in your soul, and by the way, there is some pain in all of us, we carry those bags with us everywhere we go, and those bags of pain sabotage our attempts to have relationships, and they certainly eat away at the happiness and joy that God wants you to experience in your life. Get angry at your pain. Why? Because it's having a horrible impact. Number three, the third thing that pain will do to you, it makes you a potential candidate for destructive life habits. A potential candidate. Notice that phrase. It doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily develop destructive life habits, but you're a very likely candidate to do so. See, soul pain makes us vulnerable to destructive habits, self-destructive habits, I might say, as well in our life. And especially, I want to talk about one realm, and especially, and that's in the area of addiction. Addictions are very interesting to study. I don't have time to really go in depth to what addictions do to us, but let me kind of give you a little bit of a sense of what an addiction is. We often think of addiction as it, as it relates to alcohol or drugs, and certainly those are horrible addictions that can afflict the human soul and the human uh, psyche and the human experience, and they're terrible and awful for us to have to contend with and for families to have to deal with. But there's more than drugs and alcohol. People can be addicted to all kinds of things. You can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to exercise. You can be, be addicted addicted to the internet. You can be addicted to all kinds of things. But what an addiction is, it's a way that you go to try to fix whatever pain that you're feeling in your life. I'm hurting on the inside and I may not even realize that I'm hurting, but I want to find something that takes that edge off. I want to find something that makes me feel better. And so you get involved in whatever the activity might be. And you are innocently maybe involved to begin with. And as you innocently step into that, that circumstance or situation or activity, what happens is you find a temporary fix. It makes you feel better just for a moment. 
But then, of course, you step away from that addiction for a bit and the pain comes back. And so, and then you begin to feel guilty about what you, you engaged in and then the shame draws you back into a cycle again and then you're back to the addiction and it begins to work on the chemicals in your brain and before long, it's got you hooked and you can't find freedom from it. And there are a lot of people in our world today that are bound up with addictions and the real reason they're caught up in an addiction is not just the addiction to the element that they are pursuing, but it is the pain that is behind it that's driving them to that. And when you have pain in your life, let me tell you something, you're a likely candidate or certainly a vulnerable candidate for being dragged into self-destructive habits and behaviors. The fourth reason pain is a bad thing for us, soul pain, is because it causes trust and commitment issues in your life. I'll give you a moment to write that down. It causes trust and commitment issues in your life. People with soul pain have a hard time trusting and they have a hard time committing. Now think with me for a moment. What are the two things that make for any valuable relationship? What? Trust and commitment. If you don't have trust, you don't learn to trust people. And if you don't then translate your trust into commitment, you will always have shallow relationships in your life. And that's the reason that a lot of people sort of flit from here to there and relationship to relationship and circumstance and place to place because they have trust issues, they have commitment issues, and it goes back to pain. That is, I've been hurt by somebody or something in my life, and so because I'm carrying that hurt inside of me, I don't want to risk any more hurt or pain, so I'm just not going to trust anybody else. I'm not going to trust anything else because I don't want to risk experiencing what I've experienced in the past, so don't don't ask me to step up and trust. Don't ask me to make a commitment. I'm not going there because I have pain inside of me. Now, again, we don't normally consciously process it that way, but that's what's going on unconsciously inside of us. And these trust and commitment issues can actually go in one of two directions. Let me give you the two, sort of two ends of a continuum here. On one end, it can do exactly what I just described. It can make you a person that just doesn't trust hardly anyone and you're not willing to make very many commitments, if any at all, in your life, let me show you what the other side of that is. If it also can make you so vulnerable and desirous of relationships that you actually don't have any boundaries in your life. And so you, you, you just trust people that you ought not trust. And so you put yourself at risk because you're on this other side. Again, you never had the kind of relationships or you don't feel like you have in your life that were trustworthy and, 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 and led to good commitments. So you go to one of two extremes. I'm just not going to trust anybody or commit anywhere. I'm just going to be this sort of uh, unboundaried person trying to find someone I can trust and someone I can make a commitment to. You see, pain drives you to these kinds of things. Let's go to number five. What does soul pain do to you? It makes you emotionally reactive and defensive. People with soul pain tend to overreact to life experiences and to life events. Some people with soul pain become very aggressive. Some people with soul pain become passively aggressive. Quite often people with soul pain become what I would call either hyper-emotional or stoic on the other side. And I'll talk about the stoicism in a moment. I'll explain that word to you. But this, this 
sort of defensiveness, that when something happens, there is a recoiling to that. There is a respond back to it. Now, let's put this in the physical realm for a moment. Let's say that you had a part of your body that was physically bruised and very much tender, okay? And let's just say, for example, maybe it's your, your arm. One of your arms, you've been in an accident, your arm is hurting, it's all bruised up, it's very, very painful, and somebody comes and says, hey, brother, how you doing? And they slap you on that arm. What's your response going to be? It's going to be a reaction, right? Or some of you might be. And I'll get to that one in a moment. But you recoil. Why? Because you're reacting to the fact that somebody touched your pain. You're moving into a defensive mode because somebody touched your pain. And the same is true in the soul realm of life. If you are reactive, if you are overly aggressive or passively aggressive when somebody pushes your button, and by the way, everybody has buttons, right? Some of your buttons, I can see them right now, they're flashing red. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Everybody has buttons. And when somebody pushes that button in your life, there's this reaction, there's this defensiveness. You, you can't talk to me, and we go into this mode of reacting and defending. Why is that so bad? Because let me tell you something when you're overly reactive, you do dumb things. When you're overly reactive, you say things you ought not say. You hurt other people in your reactivity. And the other side of that as well, the other part of that as well, is in your defensiveness, what it does is it puts up a shield to you being able to receive things that you need to be able to receive in your life. See, when you're defensive, nobody can teach you anything. Nobody can train you. Nobody can help you move forward with your life if you have this pain. And there are a lot of people that they are unteachable, but they're unteachable because they're defensive, and they're defensive because they're carrying this pain. They don't even realize it's postured them for the lack of ability to receive things that could make their life better. So pain gets in the way. It makes us reactive, and it makes us defensive. Number six, what does pain do to us? Anybody getting a little bit angry at your pain right now? Number six, it shuts you down and shuts other people out. People with soul pain oftentimes construct what I would call an insular wall around themselves, emotionally and socially, relationally. They have this, this wall. Have you ever met a person like that before? Maybe they're, they're nice and they come across nice and they say all the right things and they smile and do all those things. But you just, when you try to interact with them, you can't get past a wall. There's a wall there and you can't even define it. You can't even quite understand it. But there's a wall that that person just, they don't let anybody in. Or very few people they'll let in. Because this wall has protected them. And again, they may be very functional outwardly and very nice externally. But they're, they're living life behind a walled city, an insulated kind of event. And, and they're shut down. They don't know how to use their emotions as well as God intended for their emotions to be used. And either they become, again, overly emotional at times or stoic. Stoic means you just don't let yourself feel anything. Anybody remember the old, uh, the old television program, program Star Trek? Anybody remember Star Trek? Okay. Uh, a few of you out there remember Star Trek. Okay, wow. I'm really old. I must be like really old. 
In Star Trek, you remember Dr. Spock. Anybody remember Dr. Spock? Okay. Okay. Now, how do no, more of you know Spock than Star Trek? I don't understand that. Okay. What was the deal about Spock? He had no emotion. He felt nothing. Everything was just stoic, right? And there are a lot of people like that. They've shut down with their emotions. And it's not that emotions aren't there. They just don't allow themselves to respond and deal with them properly. They shut those things down and they shut other people out. And one of the characteristics of a person like this is oftentimes they'll, come hype, they'll become sort of hyper-independent. You can't, they, 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 they don't let people into their world at all to become truly a part of them. Again, nice Friendly, kind, but insular. Hard to read and hard to know. Number seven. The seventh thing that pain will do to you, the impact it can have on your life is it fuels your anger. Soul pain quite often, and I would say usually, is accompanied by anger. And the anger really is more of the fruit than it is the root. See, there's something about pain that is linked with anger. Think about the last time you accidentally hit, hit your finger with a hammer or the last time you slammed your hand into the car door. Anybody had one of those experiences recently or you tripped over something that was in your way and it hurt your foot or you bumped into something that hurt? What was your first reaction? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. No, more than likely, your first reaction was one of what? Your blood pressure went up. Steam started coming from your ears. And there was a flash, generally speaking, of anger that comes out, right? You may not express it, but you will feel it oftentimes. Why? Because pain tends to put you in that reactive, defensive, angry mode. Now... The Bible is very clear, and I'm going to talk about this more in just a moment because it's a very important passage that I want to draw attention to here. And by the way, as a part of this series, I really, you know, as I started preparing the series, I really thought it was going to be four weeks, okay? But I can never preach a four-week series. That's just like impossible for me, okay? So I think we're going to finish this about 2015, somewhere around that. So, uh, but one of the, I want to talk for at least two weeks, I'm going to talk to you just about anger. It's going to be after Easter. We'll get to that and we'll talk about a lot of different topics as a part of this. So we'll just go as far as we go and who knows, maybe we pick it up again next fall again. I don't know. But I believe God wants to set us free from some things. Amen? So this, deserve, this one point deserves at least two messages, if not a whole series in and of itself. But there's a, there are a lot of people in our world today, there's a lot of angry people around, aren't there? Anger is just, it's, just, it's like a, kettle that's about to boil over all around us. You see it on the roadways, you see it in the workplace, you see it all around. Why? Why, why so much anger? Well, there are a lot of different reasons why people become angry, and I'll talk about those later as a part of this series, but let me talk about this one, pain. The reason there's so much anger, one of the reasons is because there are people walking around in pain. The reason that we see a lot of our kids, our young people responding angrily to life is because they're carrying soul pain inside of them. They haven't had love and attention and affection and that's not an excuse for their anger, it's an explanation for their anger. 
We're never excused for these kind of things, but there are explanations for why people do the crazy things that they do. But oftentimes it is the pain that is locked up inside of us that causes us to respond. Let's, let's get beyond that ethereal world out there. Let's talk about the world in here. Let's talk about you and me and the anger in our lives. Where does it often come from? Where, where, where are the, those, those arguments, those, 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 those vicious arguments that happen with you and another person? Oftentimes they're, they're the result of pain. They hurt you in some way. And so you're still living out of that hurt. And then that hurt, the anger becomes a part of it. And again, it brings about destruction to relationships. Number eight. What does anger do? What does uh, soul pain do to you? It actually creates two things here I'll talk about. Over and underachievers. People in pain, again, whether they realize it or not, will oftentimes fall into one of these categories, an overachiever or an underachiever. Let's talk about overachievers first. See, pain can drive you. It can drive you to always try to answer a question, am I worth anything? Am I valuable? Do I have any worth for my life? And the overachiever is the person that says, you know what, I've got to have one more accomplishment. I need one more degree. I need one more title. I need a, another million dollars before I really feel like I am somebody. And so they're always going after that next accomplishment and they can't ever get enough. Now, again, I'm a big person. I'm a big believer on accomplishing all that you can accomplish and achieving everything that you can achieve in life. I believe that God has great achievements for all all of us to do and work for this kingdom that he wants us to do, but I am totally against, and the Bible is against, being an overachiever, and what I mean by that is when your identity is wrapped up in your achievement. See, God never designed you for your identity and worth to be linked to what you do. Your identity and worth is not linked to what you do in terms of your, your accomplishments. It's not linked to the net worth that you have financially. No, let me tell you how you know you're worth something. You're worth something because God says you're worth something. You're worth something because God loved you enough to send His only begotten Son into the world for all of us as we are sinners in need of salvation, sinners in need of grace. There's not a single person, the Bible says, all have fallen short of the glory of God, and so that's who we are. And so no matter how accomplished we might be in life, we're still sinners. And the Bible says that God loved us enough that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's where your worth comes from. And if you're trying to build your worth and your accomplishments and in the amount of money that you have or the car that you drive or the home that you live in. Again, nothing wrong with any of those things, but if your identity is linked in those things and there has to always be something more for you to feel better about yourself, there's some pain somewhere inside of you. It's driving you. I tell you, the other side of that pain will also deflate you. It makes you feel like I could never accomplish anything. There are a lot of people that just never do much of anything with their life because they've been beaten down on the inside. and They feel like, you know, I, I could never do anything with my life. It takes us to those extremes. Number nine, pain hinders our spiritual growth. If I were to ask you today, and in fact I am asking you and I will ask you to respond because I think it's important for us to respond to these kind of things. How many of you really want to grow spiritually? I know you do. You wouldn't be here this morning. You made the decision to get out of your bed you could have slept in this morning or done what you wanted to do, but you showed up at church because you said, I want God. I want more. That's why you're here, and I celebrate that, and God celebrates that. But let me tell you something. In your spiritual growth, no matter how much you want to grow, listen closely to me. 
no matter how much you want to grow, you will never be able to grow to the degree that you desire as long as you're carrying around pain inside of you because the pain gets in the way of your growth. I'll show you how it works. See, it affects your pain, whether you realize it or not, affects the way you view God. There are a lot of people who say, you know what, I, God... How did you let this happen to me? Or why did I go through what I went through? And, and they are looking at God through these, 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 these lens of pain. And so that affects their capacity or willingness to trust Him, to have confidence in Him. And so while they may verbalize their trust or faith in God, they are always holding something back from God because they're not sure they can trust God fully because they're looking at God through their pain. They haven't processed their pain. They can't let the Word speak into their lives in the way that it needs to speak because oftentimes they're defensive as we talked about a moment ago because of their pain and so you can't get past the defenses. God can't get past those defenses because we have the walls up that we push him away. Why? Because of pain and so in your life no matter how much you want to grow spiritually until you're willing to deal with the pain in your life you're never going to grow into the person God wants you to be spiritually. See pain can't be done with until it's dealt with. You have to deal with it. And then it's done. The growth can happen in your life. And the final thing that I'll mention here today, and I hope you're getting a little bit angry at your pain because it's messing your life up. And the tenth thing is it makes you vulnerable to ungodly influences and prone to spiritual and moral compromises. I'll tell you why pain is bad. The soul pain inside of you will make you vulnerable to a lot of ungodly influences. Circle that on your notes. I'm going to come back to it in a moment. And it, spiritual moral compromises. Those are the words you wrote down, but I'm going to ask you to circle both of those again as, as well. Ungodly influences. Now look this way. I want to talk to you about what this, what this is all about. Many people, Christian people, have opened their lives to all kind of dark forces because of pain that is unresolved inside of them. The devil loves for you to carry pain around inside of you. Because when you've got pain in your heart, he has a link into your life. If he wants to mess with you and mess you up, all he has to do is play with your pain a little bit, doesn't he? If he can pull on your pain, he can jerk that pain chain a little bit in your life, what happens? He gets you into the reactive mode right where he wants you to be and keeps you from being useful to God. And so when you and I carry pain inside of us, we actually open ourselves up to ungodly dark forces. Now, somebody's saying right now, Pastor, what do you mean? You're talking about demons living inside of us? I'm not talking about you becoming demon-possessed or demonized, but I am talking about you becoming oppressed by the works of darkness. And you can be a Christian and still be oppressed by the works of darkness. I'm going to prove it to you. Write down the reference, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. You can look that up on your own time. I'll tell you what it says. We'll cover this, as I said later in this uh, in the series, as a part of our teaching on anger. But the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then it makes this little statement. Paul said, and neither give place. Don't give place. Or one translation says, don't give the devil a foothold. Did you hear that? Paul, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, watch out. 
When anger gets in your life, and by the way, as I mentioned a moment ago, anger is not generally a primary emotion, it's generally a secondary emotion based on pain. You feel the pain and the anger then becomes a part of your pain. And so the pain is the primary, the anger is the secondary. He says, be careful that you don't sin when anger, pain, anger gets into your life. Don't let it stay there. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. That is, don't you go to bed while you're still carrying this stuff inside of you. Don't let it sit in your life and stew inside of you over the 24-hour, 48-hour period. Over, in fact, for some of us, over decades, it's been stewing inside of us. And then he says this, and don't give the devil a foothold. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying that if we don't handle our hurt and anger the right way, we actually open up our lives to an inroad of the adversary. And I don't want that in my life. How about you? I don't want to give the devil any place. I want to do- drive the devil out. I don't want to open a door for him. And so what we do is when we hold on to pain, we actually become vulnerable to these ungodly forces that can pull on our life and pull us in the wrong direction. And also it can make us prone, here's the other, other phrase I gave you, to spiritual and moral compromises. Let me cover this fairly quickly here, that I've seen people over the years that have compromised their spiritual convictions and compri- compromised their moral values because of the pain inside of them. They wanted to be accepted so badly that they gave up a conviction in a moment, a spiritual conviction, or they gave up a moral conviction in a moment because they wanted to be accepted by that group or accepted by that person. And the peer pressure of the moment caused them to make decisions that led them off of their track spiritually and led them to things that were destructive for their life and had an impact upon the choices they made spiritually and morally. The Bible is teaching us here, be very careful. Be very careful. Be aware of the fact of this giant called pain because it will mess your life up. It has an impact upon you. If I had time today, and I don't have time, I'd tell you a story of a young man in the Bible by the name of Absalom. You ought to read the story sometime. It's a case study in pain. Because Absalom let some pain that could have been, in many ways, justified into his life, but he didn't deal with it the right way. And what ended up happening with Absalom is he became became at odds with his own dad, tried to take the kingdom away from his dad, David, and ultimately he ends up destroying his life, an early death, all because Absalom did not deal with pain. And there are many of us, we may not come to an untimely physical death, but we're suffering a kind of death on the inside because pain is controlling us and keeping us from being the person that God wants us to be. There was a phrase that David said when he looked at Goliath on the battlefield and he said, is there not a cause? Say it with me. Is there not a cause? David said, this giant doesn't deserve to be doing this to the people of God. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to rise up in righteous anger and to go against this giant? And David took the stand. And my challenge to you today as I am praying that you'll leave here with a little bit of steam coming out of your ears. A little bit of intensity of righteous indignation inside of you that says, you know what? I am sick and tired of my pain. I am sick and tired of this pain controlling my life and I'm going to pick up a slingshot and find some stones and seek the help of Almighty God and we're going to go against this giant and we're going to slay it because it's not going to control my life for the rest of my years. I'm going to take a stand against it. 
So admitting the impact is a key point and you being able to overcome pain in your life. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us today. And God, we're here to be receivers of your word and also doers. And the way that we show that we have received is by doing. It's not just by saying we receive something, but it's by putting it into practice. And I pray today that as we saw in David's life the the righteous indignation that he had against Goliath, I pray that there would rise in all of our lives today a righteous indignation against the pain that we're carrying around inside of us, that we would realize today that it's time to do something about this pain. No longer are we willing to allow its impact in our lives. And I pray for a supernatural, a God-given resolve in the hearts of the people of God today. That, Lord, we would leave this place saying, you know what, I'm not going to let this stuff stay with me for the rest of my life. And God, I thank you that when we make our commitment that you show up just as soon as David said, I'm going to go to battle, Lord, you showed up with him and you fought the battle for him. And I thank you that you will do that for us as well. So take these truths that we've talked about today and seal them deeply in our hearts, God. Help us to live it out, we ask in Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus. I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.